Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of Carson's Sack Podcast. It's been a little while since I've gotten you all an episode. I would like to first apologize and thank you all for that. First off, apologize because it has been a little while. Three weeks, I believe, since last episode. Done some traveling. Had a bit of a off week last week where I went through and I recorded the about 30 minutes of what would have been that week's episode and it just felt like I was going through the motions and it wouldn't have been a good episode so I scrapped it and I didn't do an episode. The questions from last week's mail sack are going to be answered on this week's episode so please do not worry about that. Um, Like I said, I apologize for the absence but I also want to thank you all for the understandingness about it. I tweeted out um, having some issues a little bit this last week and had some people reach out to me about it. So that meant a lot. Uh, again, sorry and thank you. It uh, means a bunch. On this episode, 93 of The Sack, we are going to answer the mail sack questions from last week and this week. We are going to preview the NFL games, the Thanksgiving games, and then the Sunday and Monday games as we usually do. And then we have a huge week in college football, the week before conference championship week. The I'm recording right now at about 5.15. I'm not sure if we're going to have the updated playoff rankings out by the time this gets done um if it does we'll talk a little bit about those if not that's totally fine because i think a lot of what is going to be said is a lot of these teams that are playing in big games this week have control their own destinies you win out and you're in so we'll touch a little bit on that and if by the time we get to that the rankings are out i'll talk about them if not You'll sort of get a gist of it even without those. But without further ado, let's get right into the mail sack. The first question we have on the mail sack this week comes from Polly Marino, who asks, so was Stafford really any better than Goff? This was in reference to the Monday night game that happened last week when the Rams were playing the 49ers. Polly and I were texting back and forth about this. Stafford threw multiple interceptions, one return for a pick six. The pick six wasn't necessarily on him, went through the receiver's hands, tip ball, um, Momentum play, got it. The defense did for the 49ers the other way, scored a touchdown. I think exponentially Stafford has done better than Goff. Um, he's added a totally new dynamic to that offense with the deep shot and has been much more consistent than Goff really ever was. I mean, yes, we know Goff had that one big year where he was able to take the Rams to the Super Bowl, but I think consistently on a week-to-week basis, Stafford is – done much better in the Rams system than what Jared Goff did. Looking, though, at the Rams as a whole, they really haven't beat a ton of great teams. You go and you look, they lost that game two weeks ago 
to the 49ers. Um, and then they lose to the Titans on Sunday night. They beat the Texans. They beat the Lions. Those two teams aren't that good. They beat the Giants. They beat the Seahawks, who they're talented, but they're not that great. They lose to the Cardinals. Uh, they lose to, excuse me, they beat the Colts, who have been on a bit of an upswing, and they beat the Buccaneers, and then they beat the Bears. They beat, they lose to the Broncos, excuse me, that was preseason. But, so what I'm trying to say is this Rams team is certainly good, but I think there was some expectation around the middle of the season, sort of after, not even the middle, the about a fourth of the way through after they beat the Buccaneers and they beat the Colts, that this team was pretty much like you pencil them in in the NFC as probably the NFC championship game, if not the Super Bowl. I think as the season's unfolding, we're seeing that the offense at times has some issues. It'll be interesting to see how they replace Robert Woods with the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. and maybe Van Jefferson stepping up, but they do have tons of talent there to replace Woods. And the run game with Henderson has been very good this year so it'll be interesting to see how this progresses for the Rams Um, I'm just asking for a bit of caution if you will about just penciling them in to the NFC championship game like a lot of people were doing after that Buccaneers game I myself included I thought they were one of the best if not the best team in the NFL after that game and um, upon further investigation questionable they're not frauds they're not frauds yet but questionable um, our next set of questions comes from last week um, from Michael Bennett, who asked, poop is stored in the butt cheeks. I'm almost certain that it's not, but if it is, what a revelation. Uh, he also asked, are the Patriots contenders or pretenders? I believe they're like right in the middle. They are probably going to make the playoffs. But I don't, and they might win a game there against like an upset team. Maybe Belichick just plans so well for that. And Mac Jones does enough in that game where he essentially doesn't lose for you. And you can lean on the run game, lean on the good defense that they have. But I don't see them contending for an AFC championship or contending for a Super Bowl. But they can definitely make some noise and have some stuff to build on for next year with Mac Jones and the defense that they can bring back and the run game they can bring back. But I don't think the offense is explosive enough, and I don't think Mac Jones is necessarily there just yet to go and put them in a contender-type thing. Uh, Mike Bennett also asks, Who is the most skilled NBA scorer of all time? Gotta be Kevin Durant. Um, I think, yes, Kevin Durant is up there, surely just because of the way he scores. There's basically, he's a 6'10", 7-foot guy that can shoot three, ball handle, and just do it. Like, it's very impressive the multitude of ways that he can score. Um, another name that jumps to mind, Steph Curry. I know people are going to want to say he's the best shooter of all time, which I get that, but... He is probably the best three-point shooter of all time, and last time I checked, three is better than two, so best scorer of all time, potentially. Um, A name that, Mike, I'm sure you'll be happy to hear, I think given the circumstances and what was around him, and not a shooting deficiency, but it wasn't his strong point, Allen Iverson you could put up there, Carmelo Anthony 
Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, simply because he has the record for the most points of all time, but LeBron James might pass him in the coming years. But I think the LeBron thing is more of a longevity type of thing. um, Larry Bird, excuse me, I got my L's confused. LeBron, Larry. Larry Bird, I think, is up there as well because he was sort of a Kevin Durant-esque type guy where a huge frame and can score in a multitude of ways, whether it's getting to the basket, the mid-range, or the three-point game. Um, Kevin Durant, probably the best scorer because I feel extremely confident if, like, my life depended on it. It was 1v1. Um, and Kevin Durant was my offensive guy, and he had to score a bucket. I feel pretty good with him going up against just about anybody in that scenario. Um, moving on, we have a couple other questions from last week that I'm going to get to. Now, Adam Blanford asks, if you had to fight one Big Ten mascot for $1 million, who would you choose and why? Who would you not want to fight and why? I would not want to fight... Um, the Michigan State Spartan, if just purely based, take fan allegiances aside and like don't even worry about that, I would fight Brutus Buckeye 100% because the Buckeye nut is poisonous, but that's only if you ingest it. So if I just crack the Buckeye nut, that thing's done. All I do is step on it, whatever. And Brutus is the most, he's the least intimidating of the Big Ten mascots. Um, the Wisconsin Badger, the Minnesota Gopher, the Illinois Fight and Illini. Not really sure what their mascot even looks like. I just know them as the big eye. Um, a Cornhusker doesn't seem hard, but it seems like it could put up a decent enough fight to where I, if you compare the two, I would rather just step on the nut or crush the nut. Um, so, fan allegiances aside, just based off easiness, I would say Brutus Buckeye. Next, we have Bailey Lehman who asks, tots or fries? This could be one of the easiest questions ever to the mail sack. French fries. Tater tots are about my f- probably fourth or fifth way of vehicle delivery. Um, for f- potatoes and get into my mouth i uh i understand the repeal they're just not for me um obviously when they're crispy they are great but a ton of places that i've had for of excuse me have had tater tots it's just uh soggy and nobody wants that nobody likes that so i will go with french fries hands down uh, she follows it up with bourbon, risky, rye, or rum. Out of those, I will go with rum. It is the most tolerable. I do not do dark liquors well. Um, preferably, we would have some sort of vodka. Uh, Monkey in Paradise vodka, uh, preferably. No, mm, no qualms with Tito's or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't do the brown liquors well. So I try and keep those out of that. Uh, follow up that with, uh, Trent Revelette asking, what is the largest land mammal you think you could take in hand-to-hand combat? So I had to stop recording a little bit and do some research, uh, of what I under, I know obviously what a mammal is, but land mammal and everything. I just wanted to get some more reference and see some lists. There are not a lot that I think I could actually do anything against. Um, one that jumps right out at me 
is a beaver. I feel pretty comfortable with that. Um, a least weasel, feel pretty comfortable about that. Uh, raccoons, raccoons scare me. Not a fan of that. A river otter, but who wants to fight an otter? Those things are adorable. Uh, a red fox, maybe. Like, if it's a small one, I feel like I have a chance. Um, but... I would probably go with Red Fox or, like, a small deer. I don't want to fight a young deer, like one that has just grown up or anything. Maybe a certain species of deer that is just maybe smaller, but I feel like they use a ton of, like, their muscles on a daily basis that they are probably just so underestimatedly strong that it could be a bit of an issue so I'm gonna go with like the first couple animals I named but I don't feel very confident in a lot of them um but Trent and I did have an argument once that I feel like I could against one wolf maybe but upon like further research and like not being like kind of buzzed and a little bit drunk when we talked about that um, I've stepped off that pedestal and come back to reality a little bit. I don't think I could take a wolf anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with like something pretty small that I could handle. Um, moving on to the questions for this week. Uh, we start with Mike Bennett. I honestly don't know who the best team in the NFL is anymore. Do you? Um... At this very moment, um, if we look at the standings for the league, we have the Cardinals in the NFC. And despite their loss this past week in the AFC, we have the Tennessee Titans. Just looking at standings right now, um, I mean, Tennessee, Baltimore, New England, and Kansas City make up your top four in the AFC and then the NFC, we start with Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and Dallas. I am much more confident in an NFC team this year than I am an AFC team. Um, I don't think Baltimore is, and I don't think Tennessee is, especially without Derrick Henry. New England, Mac Jones, I think... There's some ceiling there in his rookie year, so I don't think they are it. Kansas City, I understand they had that skid in the middle, excuse me, in the beginning of the year, but I stayed with them. I still think they are probably the favorite in the AFC just because that offense is clicking a little bit more. Patrick Mahomes has cut down on the turnovers, and the defense is playing better and better each week. Uh, the Chargers in there as well. I can't put my finger on what the Chargers' issue is. They seem to be winning more of the closer games that in the past few years they've been losing, but Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers shouldn't have been able to put up 35-plus points or 34 points that they did on Sunday Night Football, um, especially with him coming back after his COVID break, um, them missing a few guys on defense and a, f- a couple guys on offense. It's, it shouldn't have been as close of a game as it was. Um, Buffalo there, I think their offense is honestly way too one-dimensional with the pass, but that defense for them has played extremely well all year. 
The Colts are coming on strong. I don't think they're the best team by any means, but I think they have a chance. They have a great winning formula for the NFL playoffs. Play really great defense and have a running back that you can give the ball to 20, 25 times and have 125 yards and two touchdowns and you go and win the game with Jonathan Taylor. Um, but again, with there, Carson Wentz scares me because he hasn't he's turnover prone. He hasn't really been in those big moments. Um, in the a- NFC, I'm not sold on the Cardinals, especially with the lingering injuries for Kyler and John Deere Hopkins. But if they can come back and be healthy, their defense has been a bit of a surprise to me. Um, they have a fairly good chance, but I think they're just susceptible. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a – I don't think he can be trusted just yet in the NFL playoffs. Um, Green Bay, when everybody's healthy, I think they are right up there with one of the best teams in the NFL. But guys just can't stay healthy for them. And there's real no number two receiver right now for them. And Aaron Jones is dealing with his injury as well. So, And you, you saw they were susceptible last week against the Vikings. So you got to beat the Vikings if you're going to be a good team in the NFL. Especially if you want to be considered the best team. Tampa Bay, I would sort of side maybe with them. Dallas, I like what Dallas does, but they get stagnant at times on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm just going to, yeah, I'll just flat out and say it. I still think Kansas City is the best team in the NFL. I think with the offense and with how Mahomes is sort of not forcing things anymore and taking advantage of what the defense is giving him. And if Edwards Alaire can come back from his injury and be a consistent guy with Williams there in the running back position and the defense continues to get better um, and come back into form, I'm pretty much sold on the Chiefs being the best team. Next, Michael asks, it would be a hell of a birthday if the Cats and Buckeyes win on Saturday. Let's fucking go. Happy birthday. Mike, I appreciate you... uh, doing that and yeah it's my birthday Saturday feel free to reach out uh, you can tweet me you can Instagram me you can text me post on my Facebook wall uh, make a story on Snapchat or Instagram either way not doesn't matter whatever you want to do uh, Trent Revelette follows up last week's question with the question for this week do you think Randy Orton's pay-per-view record will ever be broken Um, Let me go and find those statistics real quick. Uh, This is on the heels of Survivor Series, the pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, Beforehand, Randy Orton tweeted out a bit of a stat, and I'll read that for you now, uh, and some tweets. Uh, It has come to my attention that tomorrow at Survivor Series, I'll set a new record for most pay-per-view matches by anyone in WWE history. The following night on Raw, coincidentally, if I have a match, he didn't. I'll have had more matches on Raw than anyone in history. Um, I honestly don't think anybody is going to come close to that um, anytime soon. Uh, If you look at guys like Roman Reigns, he doesn't wrestle. He's obviously not on Raw right now, and he doesn't wrestle every week, so I think he's out. Seth Rollins, I don't think he made it to the company er, company early enough to do that. Um, 
And a lot of these guys are they're starting families early on. Um, with Seth Rollins, I have no clue how long he's going to want to be in the WWE, but he just start recently started a family um, last year. So maybe he just packs it in and goes to that. I don't think, if you go and you know the history of Randy Orton, he was there at an extremely young age, um, in his early 20s, and he's, I believe, in his mid to late 40s now. I uh, I don't see that record being broken by anybody within the next 20, 40 years. Maybe if somebody can get in at like the ground level, like, I'm not sure how old Dominic Mysterio is, but like if he progresses and like becomes a top level guy like Randy Orton was then maybe there's a chance he does something like that but that is a ton of like ifs ands and things like that so I think we uh Randy Orton I think has always gotten sort of underappreciated lost in the shuffle with all-time greats but uh, a stat that I think is very worthy and a record that he is probably very proud to hold our next question comes from Dave Taduri, who asks, Browns making the postseason. Oh, gosh. I really want them to, but they have an extremely tough schedule down the stretch. I think the hardest in the NFL. Um, it starts this week. They go to the Ravens, and then they have a bye week, and then they host the Ravens. They welcome the Raiders. Then on Christmas, they go to the Packers to the Steelers, and then they end with a game hosting the Bengals. I just don't see it. Unfortunately, the the offense with Chubb is good enough, but and they get Hunt back possibly this week. If not, then after the bye, that'll add some excitement and spark and can maybe help in the passing game with the short passes, but I... I think Baker is battling too many injuries that are affecting his game that I don't think they end up making the playoffs. It They'll be in the hunt all the way to the end, but I think they face a ton of challenges, a ton of different ta- challenges as well. I mean, the Ravens with Lamar, you have that. Uh, the Raiders with a good pass rush and Derek Carr playing fairly well. Um the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, who is probably going to dice up uh, the secondary at will if he wants to. Um, the Steelers, who their defense is strong, and Ben seems to have the Browns number on most of the days. And then the Bengals, who are going to be looking for revenge after the ass beating they got in the first game. Um, let's. They got one, two, three, four, five, six. Realistically, I think. Four and two in those six games gets them somewhere in the playoffs. Baseline, I think they can go three and three, but more than likely maybe two and four, unfortunately. And it's really upsetting to say this because I everybody had such high expectations for them coming into the year, but just a ton of factors and injuries have gone into this where I think there's going to be just time's going to run out on them, and I don't foresee them making the playoffs, unfortunately. And then the last question for the mail sack this week, a an extremely popular question on previous Thanksgiving week episodes of the mail sack and Carson sack uh, comes from Emma Steer and Maeve Armstrong who ask favorite Thanksgiving side. Um, I've answered this before and I'll be glad to do it again. Uh, it's mashed potatoes. Um, I am not a stuffing guy. I understand that that is sort of what people consider as like the definitive 
Thanksgiving side. Like we know that is the we know it's Thanksgiving because that's there. Um, if we're being a hundred percent honest, the sides are often better than the turkey. I think, and again, it might just be the way it was prepared for myself and my family. Um, I think turkey like that gets dry very quickly, and then you got to drench it in gravy. I'm not a big gravy guy, so I am. 100% all in on the mashed potato movement. Sweet potato casserole is also very high up there, especially if we can get some pecans uh, sprinkled in there as well. I think that's absolutely delicious, but I don't think you're going to find a better, uh, just more complete, well-rounded side on the dinner table than mashed potatoes. That is going to do it for the mail sack this week. As always, Thank you for sending your questions in. You, the listener that does that, makes that segment possible. And I really, 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 really appreciate that. Uh, We are now going to shift focus and talk about the NFL week number 12. We start on Thursday, Thanksgiving, with a three-pack of games. The first game, the Bears going to the Lions. The Bears are going to be without Justin Fields after suffering a rib injury. There were some rumors today that this could be Matt Nagy's last game. He came out in a press conference today and said that is just blatantly false. So it'll be interesting to see. I am going with the Lions in this one. Um, I think... What better time to get your first win? Jared Goff could potentially be back. Um, The Lions were able to move the ball at times against the Browns last week, even with Doyle uh, as their quarterback. I feel a lot better about my prediction if Jared Goff plays, but either way, I just think there's going to be... It's the patented Lions noon game on Thanksgiving. They hardly ever, ever win that. They're winless this year. What better time to get the win than that day? So I'm going to go with the Lions over the Bears. The next game, 430 game that day, is the Raiders going to the Cowboys. The Cowboys coming off their loss last week to the Chiefs, 19-9, where the offense looked a little out of sync, and then the Raiders coming off a defeat at the hands of the Bengals last week. I'm going to go with Dallas in this one. Ezekiel Elliott banged up a little bit last week with the ankle injury. C.D. Lamb having some concussion issues, but he was able to practice a little bit today. So was Ezekiel Elliott. I think there's a bit of a rebound spot for the Cowboys. Um, The Raiders sort of going the wrongish way. Um, They lose badly to the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. They lose to the Bengals last week. Um, Both of those high-powered offenses, um, I think... Sort of the same thing with this week as well in the NFL. I am going to take the, excuse me, I'm going to take the Cowboys in that one. And I think the Cowboys defense probably gets a key turnover at some point, probably another Diggs interception, maybe a Parsons defensive touchdown um, to cement the rookie um, in this game as well. So I'm going to take the Cowboys over the Raiders. In the next game, we have the Bills and the Saints. The Bills coming off a bit of shocking, maybe not the loss, but how they performed in that loss to the Colts, losing 41-15 to last week. 
And then the Saints going up against the Eagles. And again, a shocking, maybe not that they lost, but the way they lost, getting run all over um, by the Eagles, 40-29. to This I expect this to be a good game, but I don't think that... If you look at this game, the Saints' strength is the defense, particularly the run defense. Um, the Bills don't really run the ball, and if they do, it's Josh Allen. And I don't think that the Saints are going to be able to slow their offense down enough, and I think the Bills' defense is going to be good enough to cause some problems for Simeon or Taysom Hill if he's in there on some gadget plays type things. If they can get Alvin Kamara back the Saints, I, obviously that helps their offense out a ton because he's just Mr. Do-It-All, passing game, running game. Um, He's the catalyst of that offense. But I do – the Saints crowd and the fans are going to help. Maybe a closer game than expected, but I do have the Bills winning this one. The next game we have on the slate, we go to Sunday. The Steelers go to the Bengals. I am going to go with the Bengals in this one. I think they're going to build off of last week, and I think if T.J. Watt and a couple other guys on defense for the Steelers are out, um, we've seen it last year that the Steelers struggled in Cincinnati. I know this is an extremely big rivalry game. Um, I can see the Bengals winning this one. Moving on, we have the Browns going to the Ravens. If Lamar Jackson doesn't play, I feel much better about the Browns' chances. If I had to guess, since it is the Sunday night game, he is going to play. Um, There's a bit of a history going last year with Lamar Jackson and running off, potentially having to take a shit. Um, Maybe he had a stomach flu, whatever it was. There's just a history of Lamar Jackson and health surrounding this game against the Browns. Um, and that continues this year as well. But I, I have the, I have the Ravens winning against the Browns. Um, they struggled to stop Lamar last year. They addressed some of the offseason uh, concerns on the defensive side of the ball. But um, I think the linebacker play is still eh, at times with the Browns. And if Lamar is going to be able to get past the first line of Clowney and. Miles Garrett, and he's in that open field. I feel fairly confident he'll be able to slice and dice on the ground his way down the field. So I'm going to take the Ravens over the Browns. The next game, we have the Buccaneers going to the Colts. This is an upset for me. I'm going with the Colts. Um, Again, I just love the way they're playing football right now. Their defense is playing well. They're feeding Jonathan Taylor. Quint Nelson re-aggravated a previous injury, so... He's obviously the one of, if not the best, interior or just lineman in general in the NFL. Um, if he doesn't play, then I think there is some concern with Vita Vea and the rest of the guys that the Buccaneers can throw at the offensive line of the Colts that can pose some problems. But ultimately, I think maybe they can patch that together if Nelson is out and Wentz can maybe take advantage of some of the deficiencies in the passing game. And at times, obviously, we know the success, how you do well against Brady is getting him off his spot. Pressure, the Colts are pretty good at that with their defensive line with Buckner and then Leonard back there as well, roaming the middle at the linebacker spot. So I'm going to take the Colts over the Buccaneers. Next, we have the Panthers and the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Panthers. Since last time I spoke to you, Cam Newton has found his way back and has been absolutely electric. 
for the Carolina Panthers. They did fall last week to the Washington football team. The week before that, they did go on the road and beat the Cardinals in Arizona. Granted, that was without Kyler and without John Deere Hopkins, but they put up 34 points against a very good uh, Cardinals defense. So that was impressive to see in Cam's return. Uh, I can see Cam having some success in this one. Uh, so I'm going to take the Panthers over the Dolphins. And the Panthers' defense is playing sort of decent uh, with Gilmore coming over um, recently. So I expect them to be able to frustrate Tua a little bit and the Panthers win that one. The next game, we have the Titans going to the Patriots. This game, wow, I'm shocked at that line. It's six and a half for New England. I am... I'll go with the Patriots. I think Belichick is going to want to show Vrabel um, that he's going to game plan extremely well for this is Belichick and sort of a revenge factor type game where Vrabel played for Belichick. They The Titans bounced Tom Brady and the Patriots last time they made it to the playoffs. Um a bit of a bit of a revenge game. Obviously, not having Derrick Henry hurts, and I think Belichick is going to have that defense dialed to get enough pressure on Tannehill to cause some problems. AJ Brown has been dealing with some lingering issues. Hopefully, he can play because he is a big part of that offense now that Henry is out. So I will take the Patriots in that. Um, I don't know if they cover though, but I do think the Patriots win. Uh, the next game, we have the Eagles going to the Giants. The Giants firing Jason Garrett today. Freddie Kitchens, our old friend Freddie from the Cleveland Browns head coaching tree, is now the offensive coordinator for the Giants. I don't think it matters all that awful much who is going to call the plays for the Giants. I just don't think they're good enough offensively. The Eagles have been running the ball extremely well as of late. I expect them to do the same in this one. And the Eagles beat the Giants. The Falcons and the Jaguars. I'll take the Jaguars. Uh, they're feeling frisky sort of lately. The Falcons were were stifled to zero points this past Thursday on Thursday Night Football. I understand that was against a much better Patriots team than what the Jaguars have. But uh, I could easily see the Jaguars winning this one. Um, another game, moving on, that I just do not care anything about. The Jets and the Texans. I will take the Texans, maybe a bit of a letdown spot, if you will, after they go and they upset the Titans last week. Uh, But Mike White, I believe, is starting um, for the Jets. Tyron Taylor has been serviceable since he's come back from injury, so I will go with the Texans. The next game, we have the Chargers and the Broncos. This this has a feeling of like a real ugly, weird scoring game to me. Two teams sort of in the AFC West fight at the moment. Um, I'll actually go. I'll go with the Chargers in the same vein where I said earlier during the mail sack. They're kind of turning the tide where games in the past that were close, they've been losing. They've they're turning it around. They're winning those now. I think that's one of another one of those games where it's close. Former Chargers teams would lose this team this year. They win, but a close, weird, funky game, I think. And then we go to Lambeau Field, the Rams going to the Packers. I'm actually going to go with the Rams in this one. Um, I think the loss of Aaron Jones cannot be stated enough for that offense. Yes, Aaron Rodgers makes everything go, but... 
I wasn't crazy impressed with AJ Dillon uh, in the past game. Excuse in this past game, um, only 11 carries for 53 yards. Aaron Jones better than that on most occasions, and he adds such a dynamic with catching balls out of the backfield, sort of as the number two or like two and a half receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Um, the Packers are banged up. Rams coming off the bye week, so McVay's had some time to plan and tinker with some things. Uh, Odell gets another full week uh, during the bye to learn that offense, get integrated in it. Um, I expect, I'm going to say he scores a touchdown, and I'm going to say the Rams end up winning that game. In the next game, we have the Vikings and the 49ers. I'm going to go with the 49ers. I think the Vikings have a bit of a letdown spot in this one. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who is carrying the ball for the 49ers. It didn't really seem to matter all that much last week as the 49ers beat the Jaguars. But uh, Mitchell, I think, needs to be back to make that offense hum a little bit smoother for Shanahan. Um, he had that finger hand injury, so it'll be interesting to see if two full weeks after surgery he can become eligible to come back and play. If he does, I love the 49ers even more. Uh, I'll take the 49ers. The Monday night game, we have the Seahawks going to the Washington football team. This Monday night game sucks. It is the first I've seen this schedule. Um, And the football team's favored. Well, first off, we know it's probably going to be a funky, weird ending because every time the Seahawks play, but especially in prime time, there's always some weird thing that happens. I I can't quit the Seahawks. Um, they lose Chris Carson for the year with his neck injury. Russell Wilson hasn't looked great since he's come back. That defense struggles. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett have been in the last few games. I... I still, I just can't quit them. For some reason, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Um, Washington, though, I, I don't have a full breakdown on the football team, but Terry McLaurin is so underrated and so just doesn't, I don't think gets enough praise for what he does. He has the most contested touchdowns or I think contested catches or touchdowns in the NFL by like at least seven or eight Um Again, I don't think McLaurin can single-handedly win them this game, uh, so I'm going to go with the Seahawks, but I just want to give him a shout-out because he deserves it, and they've been playing ex- he's been playing extremely well as of late. We are now going to shift focus from the NFL to the last week of college football and quote-unquote rivalry week. We start on Thursday, Thanksgiving, with the Egg Bowl down in Mississippi as Mississippi State hosts Ole Miss. Mississippi State sitting at 7-4 and Ole Miss sitting at 9-2. Ole Miss coming in, riding a wave of victories um, against Liberty a couple weeks ago. They beat Texas A&M. And then a bit of a surprise with Vanderbilt, where they only won 31-17. to Matt Corral looked okay in that game. 326 yards, two touchdowns. Um, on the other side, for Mississippi State, we have Will Rogers, who has played 
pretty well this entire year looking at his stats. He's got 4,100 yards, 34 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. Um, they're coming off of beating Kentucky, a loss to Arkansas following that. Uh, they beat Auburn, and then they last week hang 55 on Tennessee State. Mississippi State's defense is all right. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think either defense is really going to impose their will or anything. I personally side with Ole Miss in this rivalry. I'm going to take Ole Miss in this game. Uh, as I did say, I don't think either defense is going to like wow or like slow down or stop the opposition's offense, but I do think Ole Miss has a better defense um, than Mississippi State's. So ultimately, I think Corral has a big game. Lane, if he's looking to go elsewhere, maybe solidifies that as like he's the top candidate. He's been rumored. Florida, now that they get rid of Dan Mullen. Uh, Miami, potentially if that job opens up. Uh, so maybe he uses this game as like a way to solidify, like, hey, I should be this top fucking candidate, and this is why. And he goes and he tries to hang 80 or something, and he winds up hanging 50. Obviously, it's a rivalry game. It's going to be closer and hard-fought, you would expect. But uh, I am going to take Ole Miss in that one. We then move on to Boise State and San Diego State. San Diego State flying under the radar a little bit this entire year. Sitting at 10-1, and one, um, doing it defensively and on the ground with Bell. Um, uh, screw it. I'll take Boise State to upset them. Um, Bachmeyer on the year for Boise State through the air, 2,800 yards, 18 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, and then Shakir, the wide receiver, 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. Um, it'll be interesting to see San Diego State, how they, are, they attack the passing game of Boise State. For some reason, I'm just going to go with Boise State over San Diego State in that one. For some reason, people are saying that East Carolina is this big test for Cincinnati. We move on to this game now. Cincinnati, up to this point, besides Notre Dame, probably their biggest test last week where they host SMU, who SMU, after that, 8-3, and on the year after their loss last week, but Cincinnati passed that test with flying colors. 48-14, to Desmond Ritter through the air, 274 yards and three touchdowns. Ford on the ground had 82 yards and a touchdown. Um, Ritter on the ground had 46 yards and a touchdown. The defense played well. Um, I really don't think, unless Houston messes up and we get to the point where both Cincinnati and Houston are in the AAC championship game, then I think that's really the biggest test. Uh, East Carolina is all right this year. Um, they have a quarterback with 2,800 yards, 17 touchdowns in Aylers. The running back, Mitchell, is very good for them with 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. It, I understand ECU is a raucous environment, but uh, I do like Cincinnati's chances, so I'm going to go with Cincinnati to win that one. Uh, moving on past that game, we have... 
North Carolina and North Carolina State. That's a big game for ACC standings. Uh, I'm going to go with North Carolina State in that one. It's at home. Leary for them on the year through the air. 3,100 yards, 31 touchdowns. Um, I just think that he's going to be too much for North Carolina's defense. I expect a shootout um, with Sam Howe there for North Carolina in his own right, putting up 2,700 yards and 22 touchdowns. Uh, But I do have North Carolina State winning that one. Um, A game near and dear to my heart. We have Ohio State going to Michigan, um, a game that I'd like to touch on because the winner of this wins the Big Ten East. They go to the Big Ten Championship game to ultimately face Wisconsin. Again, the playoff rankings aren't out yet. It's 6-12 right now as I talk to you about this. Whichever one of these teams wins, hopefully Ohio State, but whichever one of these teams wins, obviously, as I said, they control their entire destiny because Ohio State, they route Michigan State last week. They take them out of the playoff conversation. Michigan, they win. They win the Big Ten championship. They're obviously in in some capacity. Same with Ohio State. They beat Michigan. They beat Wisconsin. They're in in some capacity. Um, This is where speculation happens now. Some people uh, want Ohio State to be ranked number two. Uh, after the last week where Alabama struggled against Arkansas at times and Ohio State was up 49-0 at halftime against Michigan State. I think if, looking down the line, I don't think Alabama beats Georgia. So I think you can take Alabama probably out of that conversation regardless. So I think Ohio State moves up to number two if they end up winning out. Who's number three and who's number four? I have absolutely no idea. That's where things get interesting, and I hope Cincinnati's number three. Um, and Oklahoma State, potentially at number four. We're going to talk about them later on as they um, play Oklahoma this week. But uh, it's just really interesting. What For this specific week, I think it's obviously the biggest game C.J. Stroud has played in college football. I'm... I'm having sort of vibes of two years ago where Ohio State went to the big house and there were some questions surrounding Justin Fields, like how he was banged up a little bit, knock on wood. Stroud isn't banged up right now and there aren't really any injuries um, that are affecting Ohio State at the moment. But there are some questions with how Justin Field was going to handle this big adversity on the road in the big house, a huge matchup like the Ohio State Michigan game. And he went out, and Ohio State put up 50 plus points, and they boat raced him, and it really wasn't a thing. If Ohio State comes out and gets up, I was talking to my dad about this. If they get up 21 7 and a half, 24 7 and a half, and they get the ball to start the second half and they score, I think cancel Christmas. That game's over. Michigan has to play that first half. They have to be within a touchdown. I, you could, you can hear me at ten points. Like I could say, okay, they got a bit of a chance there. But if it's a two-score game with two touchdowns, if, excuse me, ten points is a two-score game. But if it's fourteen or seventeen, then I think that game is done because Michigan's offense isn't built to come from behind, and Ohio State's offense is clicking. I don't think you can get in a matchup with Ohio State in a game where you're trading scores. I don't think that's a recipe for success, and I know Harbaugh knows that. 
Michigan, their two defensive ends, Hutchinson, and then I'm blanking on the other one, but they're probably... I know the Oregon with Thibodeau, he didn't play for Ohio, that Ohio State game. If he had, that would have been a different story, but he didn't. The What I'm getting at is the two guys for Michigan, the defense ends, are going to probably be until they play like a Georgia, potentially, or somebody in the college football playoff, if they make it that far, are going to be the best defensive end, defensive lineman they're going to play this entire year. The Ohio State has two very talented tackles that hopefully can neutralize that. I think it's going to be imperative for them to be able to run the ball um, against this Michigan team to not be able for the Michigan defense to just drop back consistently. I understand like they can drop back, but does that really make that much of a difference when you have all that talent on Ohio State with the receiving core with Earthwind and Fire and Wilson, Olave and Smith and Jigba? I personally don't really think so, but I do think having that run game is going to help Stroud a lot, maybe settle down. Um, Henderson hasn't gotten a ton of work since the Penn State game. Maybe this is a game where he does that and they go and they grind for a little bit and then they start putting up some big points and some big plays or he busts a big one like he did in the Penn State game in the second half that really starts to elongate that lead and solidifies like, hey, Ohio State's going to sort of run with this one. It'll be interesting to see how McNamara and McCarthy are used at the quarterback position for uh, Michigan. Obviously, the running backs, Haskins for Michigan, that's imperative for them along, excuse me, with uh, Chrome as well. Chrome, excuse me. However you say his name, I don't really give a shit. He's the team up north, whatever. But I know the whole like adage is like defense wins championships. Michigan has a good defense, but Ohio State has the best offense in college football. That's not me like as a fan saying that. It's the statistics and numbers supporting that. Um, does the home field help Michigan? Yes, I think a little bit for maybe that first half or first quarter, depending on how Ohio State comes out. I think Ryan Day knows, and I think he's going to instill in them like, hey, we need to jump on this early, get out to that big lead, and go after it, and hopefully they keep the foot on their neck. I'm hoping that's how this happens because I really don't want this to be a close game in the slightest. Like, I'm already, like, sort of – I'm not uneasy, not nervous, like, I'm excited and I want the game to just happen, um, I don't have, I'm anxious, I'm like, biting at the, at the teeth, because I want this game to happen, just get it over with, and hopefully they just pound them, I am going to take Ohio State in this one, obviously, if you could not tell, um, I just think they are the better team, and I think if there is going to be any issues, um, it could be be like it has been in the past if you look at the game two years ago in Ann Arbor like Michigan was able to move the ball a little bit at the start but then they got down and it became very obvious what they were doing throwing the ball and Michigan's offenses in the recent just haven't been good enough to do that so I'm hoping that's the recipe Ryan Day has and the Buckeyes go and they leave Ann Arbor with a victory the next game on the slate a Another one that is close to home uh, with rivalry. We have the Kentucky Wildcats 
Sitting at 8-3, coming off their win against New Mexico, New Mexico State. Going to Louisville Cardinals, coming off their win against Duke, where they were able to put up 62 points. Malik Cunningham had 303 yards for the air and five touchdowns, along with 224 rushing yards and two touchdowns. That's an extremely impressive line. I don't care who you're playing. Um, that was a great performance by Malik Cunningham in that game. Really, this is a tale. This game's a tale of two seasons. Um, if you go by the first six games, Kentucky should have been a ten-point at least favorite coming into this game, and Louisville was going to have no answer for anything. After those first six games, Louisville has gotten better. Kentucky lost three games in a row. Games they really had a chance to win. Not really the Mississippi State game, the Tennessee game. They had their chance. Um, but the defense has sort of fallen apart in the back end for Kentucky, and that should be a little concerning for Cats fans because we saw Cunningham able to put up five touchdowns against Duke. I understand Duke isn't necessarily on the same level with athletes and a team, especially on the defense side of the ball as Kentucky, but it should raise some red flags. Um, Stoops, I think, understands, hey, my defense, like I'm a defensive guy, Needs to step up. Whether that actually ends up happening, I'm not 100% sure. Um, Levis on the year for UK comes out hot. He's got 23 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He can't be turning the ball over this year. Chris Rodriguez who struggled with fumbling a little bit. Not so much in these last recent games. Uh, 1,100 yards, 7 touchdowns. I think Wondell Robinson is going to have to have a big game in this one for them to win. And so is Ali as well at the receiver position. Um, I think that's the key. I think both of these teams can probably trade scores with each other because the offenses are good enough to do that. If you want to say you want to give the edge to L's offense because Cunningham's with his legs, Levis obviously isn't as proficient using his legs, but he's still a threat in the open field when he has a chance. But obviously Cunningham's the better runner out of those two. Um, Louisville sitting right now at a three-point favorite. Um, I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to take Kentucky. Um, I think it's going to be one of those games where whoever has the ball last ends up winning. Hopefully... If it is necessary, Kentucky's defense can make a stop late in the game, force a turnover or something like that, where they end up winning because of that. Um, This, I know with the Ohio State-Michigan game, I spoke about the home field advantage. While there will be some, obviously, these schools being so close together, Blue's going to get in. I don't know if the home field advantage plays a ton here, just because there are going to be numerous Kentucky fans there as well um so I don't use that necessarily as like why they're favored by three Vegas just simply thinks right now they're better than Kentucky and you could argue they they sort of are um as a guy who he likes Kentucky I'm a Kentucky fan but cares so much more about the Ohio State Michigan game uh, could not be happier that this game, the U of L UK game, is at 7:30, so I can go to that and still watch the Ohio State Michigan game, and it is just like humorous again as an Ohio State fan in potentially in sport the greatest rivalry ever, and just hearing U of L and UK fans like. 
bitch and argue and go back and forth at each other on Twitter and in person when, like, yes, that's a big deal to the people that live here in Louisville and in Lexington and Kentucky and stuff. Like, that's a massive deal. I get that. But in the grand scheme of things, nobody beside, outside of Kentucky, like, who really, who really gives a shit? So I, th- I find it funny and humorous. Um, I do dip my toe in those waters occasionally with the shit stirring on social media and amongst friends talking back and forth. But back to the original point, I take Kentucky. I expect a big game out of the receivers and Chris Rodriguez to have a big game as well. I think they're going to lean on him at times if they need to, and I like his chances. I'm going to go with Kentucky over Louisville. Moving on, really the only big, yeah, the only other big game is, uh, well, Penn State, Michigan State, that game doesn't really matter, but I expect Michigan State to just beat the brakes off of Penn State. James Franklin announced that he's getting a 10-year contract extension today. That's fucking stupid, but whatever. Um, Wisconsin and Minnesota, I believe the winner of that, do they go to the Big Ten Championship game? Um, let me look at some schedules here. No, it's going to be Wisconsin, so it doesn't matter all that much. Um, but no, Allen, the running back for Wisconsin, scares me a lot. Um, as somebody with Ohio State that could potentially play them, um, he's only 17 years old, but he's got 1,000 yards on the year, 12 touchdowns. Um, he concerns me a little bit. Um, the big matchup, the game on Saturday night, we have Oklahoma, 13th in the country right now as of these rankings, going to Oklahoma State, 9th in the country. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma. I know that Oklahoma State, their defense is extremely good this year. Um, they go and they, just going back to the start of October, they beat Baylor, they beat Texas, they lose to Iowa State. They hang 55 on Kansas, whatever. They beat a underrated, I think, West Virginia team, and then they go and they put 63 points up against TCU, and then 23-0 last week against Texas Tech. Um, looking at Oklahoma State, Saunders through the air, 1,900 yards, 15 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Um, the running game for Oklahoma State, good with a 1,000-yard rusher and Warren, 10 touchdowns on the year. And then Oklahoma, we go back and look at their schedule. At the start of October, we will. They get by Kansas State by six. They beat Texas in a wild game. They put up 52 against TCU. Squeak by Kansas, 52 against Texas Tech in a win. Uh, lose to Baylor, who sort of comparable defensive-wise to Oklahoma State, so it's a little concerning. A squeaker against Iowa State, but they do win 28-21 in that. Um, it'll be interesting to see who ends up at quarterback. I hope we don't see both of them. I think Williams gives a better chance for them to win. Um, so far, since he's come in to replace Rattler, he's got... 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns to four interceptions and then running the ball. He's got 372 yards and six touchdowns. I uh, Again, I'm going to go with Oklahoma in this one. I understand the whole defense thing, all that, blah, blah, blah. I just think that 
they're kind of sick and tired of hearing about how bad like they are, how they're not really as good as their rankings are and all these question marks and everything like that. Um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I just think that when push comes to shove, again, don't get me wrong, this home field advantage in Bedlam is going to play a factor. I do believe that. I truly believe that. Bedlam is an underrated, hard place to play. But I think at the end of the day, the offense for Oklahoma State is going to struggle at times. And if Oklahoma's offense is clicking like I think it's going to, you don't want to get in a shootout in a game where you have to basically match scores with them. Um, that's where Oklahoma State's going to run into some trouble, and I'm going to take Oklahoma to get the victory in that one. Um, that's that's it. That does it for Rivalry Week and Week 13 in college football. Um that is also going to do it for the sack uh, episode 93. College basketball has started. I am fully aware of that. I'm still getting my feet under that with that. I uh, am going to talk about that in coming episodes in the coming weeks. There's a huge matchup tonight as Gonzaga faces UCLA, a rematch of a great NCAA tournament game last year where Suggs hit the half-court game-winning three. I will be talking about that further just Taking some of the games in, getting, forming some opinions on some of these teams, things like that. But uh, they will be coming. Do not worry. And as it is Thanksgiving week, I'm recording this on Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. Uh, I just want to say how thankful and appreciative I am of everyone that has tuned in to this episode and any episode ever in the 93 episode history of Carson Sack. Thank you very much. Uh, It truly means a ton to me. Uh, Like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that good shit on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you once again. It was tremendous to get back behind the microphone after the break and after a tough week last week. So thank you for listening to episode 93 of Carson Sack Podcast. We talk balls. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be seeing you.